0: A listener note. The safety information discussed in this podcast are our views based on our personal first-hand experiences. Each safety situation presents unique risks, and the solutions discussed in this podcast should not take the place of thorough risk assessments or evaluations based on your specific circumstances. Thank you. Welcome to Safe, Efficient, Profitable, a worker safety podcast where we break down real problems from real situations and discuss realistic solutions. And here's your host, owner of Allen Safety LLC and CHMM, Joe Allen.
1: This is Joe. Our next episode is episode nine. Now, this one, we're going to do something a little different. We've got two guests, so that's the first thing. second thing is we're going to talk about instant command and instant managers, the stuff you can't really find anywhere and the things people don't talk about. So what does that mean, for example? Um, I know that I've had a few hundred events I've worked. I know personally, if I walked up to that event today, I would handle it completely different than I would have 15 to 20 years ago. So what is it like if it's never been your first time to do it? And what's it like when it's different variables you're not sure of? So what we have today is we have Jen on here today. Hello, Jen.
0: Hello, everybody. Glad to be here.
1: And we have Brian on today. Hello, Brian. Hello. How are you guys? And uh, good, Brian. And both people, Jen and Brian, have both managed command and live events, uh, just like I have. And so we're going to talk about a couple of things here. Now, I'm going to ask a few questions. They're going to give some answers. But they speak. For the listing audience, this is more about if you've never done it and you've had lots of training, we've always said there's nothing like doing it for real. So what does real feel like? So I'll give you an example. We'll start with you, Jen. I know that Jen had lots of training and lots of experience. And then one day we were coming back from lunch at a location. We get out of our vehicles and the chemicals so strong that we couldn't hardly open our eyes. And we're like, well, something's going on. And then the next thing you know, from that minute to the next eight hours, Jim was helping run command and it was her first one. So, what was it like, Jen? Uh,
0: I think the biggest thing is that when it's your first one, definitely have that constant voice in the back of your mind that's causing anxiety. And it's really, really hard to stay focused almost. And you've got to make sure that you keep your eye on each 10-minute increment instead of letting your mind open up and consider everything that could go wrong, everything that has gone wrong, all of those what if we make a bad decision. You've got to really rein yourself in, slow everything down, and make sure that you're managing each 10-minute increment because you are anxious and you are sitting there in the back of your mind if you've never seen a response or if you've never managed an emergency thinking, I hope this works. I hope this person that trained us, I hope it was the right way. And I hope I was listening during that part. And I hope that everything works out and that nothing crazy happens because I can't believe this is going on for real. So I think that that's definitely the biggest thing from my first event all the way through all the others that on the first one, for sure, you feel that pressure and that anxiety. And it's almost like that just Wrapping around your stomach of just like that cold fear, almost of I don't want to make the wrong decision. I don't want to say the wrong thing. And there's a lot writing on this, and a lot of people's lives writing on this. So I hope I'm right.
1: Some good points, Jen. I know that people always ask all the time, "What what does it feel like?" And I know Brian he training because I've been there. And when he's doing training, he will tell people, you know, one of the reasons he does the training the way he does currently. Is because he lived it, and that's why he believes in it so much? Tell us a little bit what that means, Brian. Why do you believe in it so much?
2: Well, I believe in the training because I've seen it work. And if you keep the structure around it, and you keep the structure around your team, and if you do just exactly what Jim said with keeping your emotions clean and kind of out of it, and focus on step one, step two, step three, you're going to be fine. But you cannot let that anxiety... As Jim stated, overtake your
1: thought process.
2: You, you just got to maintain that level of consistency.
1: Yeah, because I know that when I had the first one of my career, I was an intern so when I walked out front and we had a fire and I was standing there going, this is really happening? I, I don't know any emotion to say what that was. I was just almost more of like, I can't believe this is happening. But it was in real time, like Jen talked about. It. I still had to manage victims and manage, is anyone hurt or not? And where are we going to set up? And all these other variables going on. Um, you just don't know what that feeling is going to be like. If you walk out, I had a fire and an impossible chemical leak. And I'm thinking all the time, about I've got people maybe inside and I've got no power at the location, so I can't evacuate the floors. All the things that traditionally say was going to happen didn't happen that day. And you're still trying to fill in the box. And I agree. It's every 10 to 15 minutes. You're trying to see what you can do for the next 15 minutes and then go from there.
0: I think the biggest thing, Joe, also is that there's this sense of everything's happening all at one time and you're in charge of it.
1: Yes, I mean you've got evacuations going on. You're grabbing meters. You're grabbing PPE. You've got people showing up. Some people are being called back. You've got people that are maybe off shift, so they're asleep almost when they get there. You know they're trying to figure out what's going. on. You got a lot of influx. Radios being called. General managers want to know how long it's going to be or what it's like, so they can give reports. Customers who are wanting to know are they going to get their product? I think Brian, you worked shipping for a while. I mean all the shipping stops at that moment, and now you got to just walk away and. Hope everything's fine when you come back.
2: Yeah, there's a whole whole set of stuff that goes on outside of what that emergency response is doing. And that can be kind of a problem because if you start getting information floated through about, well, we got a truck driver that needs to get out, needs to get on the road, and this release is not really affecting him. No, it can't work that way because if you're the IC or you're the incident manager, you've got that building shut down for a reason. And it's for everybody's safety, and that's extremely difficult for me to manage because it would be easy to say, "Hey, yeah, just let that guy go." No, you can't, because once you once you've opened that door, then everybody wants to go, and so you've got to maintain that that structure, that commitment to the to the process.
0: Joe, let's talk a little bit about how you manage. I guess almost just getting yelled at as an incident commander sometimes, and that stress and. Continuous reminder of the clock is ticking, the downtime clock is ticking. The contaminated product clock is ticking, the cost is going up, and people are yelling at you almost feels like you're personally responsible for costing the company money, is almost the feeling you get when you're being talked to that way. So, can you kind of go into a little bit of that? And then, Brian, I know you felt that same feeling in the past with some of your different IC and IM events.
1: Yeah. So, what I had was all the time, I've made a comment, we've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of leaks. Most of the leaks, There's a lot of emotion involved, and most of the leaks, people get very excited during that process, and it could be for variation of reasons, but I will tell you, you have to stay calm, you have to stay polite, and you got to think about the big picture. Once your emotion kicks in and you start getting caught up in that moment or caught up in the emotion, you've lost control of that scene. And You know, I being from the military, that's one of the tactics is to make you a certain way so you can, you can disassociate and still get your job accomplished. I use a lot of that strategy during the live events. You know, there's a moment in time where yes, it's bad and there's an emotion involved, but I have to separate that out and manage what I can manage in front of me. Now, if I have somebody yelling at me and, and they don't want to, stop yelling at me, you bet. I can ask, can a manager go over and talk to them and, and take them to the side? Up to including, if it's, they don't calm down, then you have to get the authorities involved and say, you have to remove this person. And that's happened in my career. But that's not the goal of it, but that's reality. Reality is something goes wrong, people get excited. And then when they get excited, the version of excited or the way excited happens can translate into other discussions. That's that that's not doing anything but making that event worse. So I could have a fire or bomb threat or a, a chemical leak. I've still got to manage. i still got to evacuate. Still have to do headcounts, like Brian said. I can't have can't everybody driving off the property because I need a headcount first. Any comments on that, Brian? You know, I
2: yeah, and everybody's going to handle that a little bit differently. Um, I really don't know how to answer it because every situation is going to be different for you as well. You're going to have one minute, you're going to have a plant manager that's, Thinking that he can get back running in in 15 seconds, and, and you might have a engineer that thinks you're way overreacting to the leak that you have. Not necessarily is either one of those guys wrong, but. Until you have the information to know that they're correct, you still got to manage that thing. And I think I approach it kind of more that way. I don't have the military background that Joe has, but I was in that plant for a long time. And I say to the plant manager, one one particular time that I'm, I'm thinking of over on my head is I said to him, Hey, I don't disagree with what you're telling me here, but we've got to make sure that you're correct in your assessment of the problem before we proceed forward. And and he listened to that comment. He slowed down after that.
0: Well, it's almost for me, the easiest way I can think of it is I have to put all of my emotions in a box and then put the box on the shelf. And as an IC, your singular focus, or even as an incident manager, your singular focus is if I'm IC, my entrants that are dealing with whatever's going on in the hot zone. If I'm an incident manager, it's managing that fire and that's it. So if I'm having discord or people aggravated I'm asking other people and other managers to deal with that situation I'm walking away and sometimes off by myself with my scribe or my logger just because I need quiet and I, I want to be able to hear what's going on on the radio I want to hear that traffic and communication I want to hear the tone of my entrance voice to know are they okay are they not because I know them well enough to know if they sound good or if they sound nervous or scared or if something's off
1: I agree. And one of the things I look at is, I think about the first five events I worked, and now hundreds or so later, it's almost weird because I can't remember now what it was like back then, and I can't even remember another way of doing it, except for the way I do it now. But I know it's different. I know I've changed over the years. I know I've responded differently over the years. And that's part of the most interesting part to me is you literally almost forget. It's kind of like when you have your kids and they're young and and you look at them at that moment and you capture that moment. You say, man, I I hope I never forget this moment. And and you almost forget that moment because the one four years later is is neater than that one or just as good. And it's hard to remember the one four years ago. And that's how these links are kind of to me.
0: Well, and I think after you've done a certain number, it does almost become like riding a bike a little bit too. I mean, I remember one of the releases that I worked and I was actually pregnant at the time and the location was really freaked out about that. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's one of those things like Brian mentioned earlier when you get used to when you get used to the pattern and you train a certain way and it's very routine, you're very comfortable with what's going on. It's not scary. These are just the steps we take. This there is an end point. There is a wall we're not going past it. we know what that end point is that we're not going to push past. You know it works and you know you'll be okay. But it's also interesting When you're well-versed at managing these, or you've dealt with a few in your career, but the remainder of the team with you maybe hasn't, just recognizing and being compassionate and giving some grace for the rest of the team that they're Freaked out. This is new. They're not used to dealing with this, and this is a lot.
2: I I agree absolutely. And you can tell you can tell when you're doing a training class who on those teams have dealt with emergencies before and who haven't. It's it's pretty evident who has done that. And I know that you guys, Jen and Joe, every one of those critiques and those trainings that gave it. I can remember several of them. And I know it comes to my head today when we start an event in, in training. It'll come to my head if I'm kind of taking on the role as the IC. I'll say, no, we talked about that. I don't say the year 1988, but we talked about that way back then. And that's a valid point. We're not going to do it that way. here. I still think about those moments. And I don't have them all, but they're, it's the big ones.
0: Well, Brian, I think you'll probably agree with this concept too, that there's things that seem really, really important in training and really, really important when you're working on your action register, your critique list, and then there's what's actually important when you're in the field. And not everything goes to plan when you're in the middle of an event, right? But And mistakes are going to be made sometimes, but you kind of just do the best you can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, And I, I try to tell them during the critique section of, of the classes that, you know, you're going to have that They get all excited because maybe the meter didn't work that day. You're going to have that happen. Or they get excited because the zipper doesn't work on shoot. You're going to have that happen. It's about how do you manage through that stuff. That's, That's just what it is.
1: Now, from our side, we change scenarios, and what we're trying to do is make people look at different angles of it. And in doing so, I think it helps prep a little better. And and we only do that because of the way we we saw the live events move. They have their own life, so it's wild to watch a live event take its course and what goes right and what goes a different avenue you would ever guess it would have went. And and you can't find that data anywhere. So I think that's the most interesting part too. Is that all the experiences that we all have went through and all the years dealing with these leaks and different events, it's wild to me that you can't really find that stuff because it kind of gets closed out, out there in the industry. But, you know, it's, it's almost like a lost art. And, and the only way to have that art, it's sad is you almost have to drill like the art to have it and actually have the live events and to actually get real comfortable with it. So we just thought on this podcast, because we got a few minutes here left that we would just talk about some of the different things you don't think about when you walk up and I, and for my part to close, I'll let each one's close. But my part is I always try to slow down and I always try to think it through. And as Jen said, I always try to think of other people too. They are nervous. They are worried, but there's also a point of being confident and strong at that moment that will calm them down also. And if we're not going to do it, unless it's done right. So any any comments from uh, Jen before we close out on any of this information?
0: Yeah, I think just as an IC or an IM, either way, you've got to prepare yourself for. There's going to be a rumor mill. So whether that rumor mill is at the location, whether that rumor mill is because of social media, so it's within the community. Remember, we've all got cell phones, so if we've got an evacuation going on you may have people taking photos, you may have social media commentators, you may have people in your community that aren't real big fans of wherever it is that you work for, whatever that reason is, and they're going to take that opportunity to let you know. And so as an ICR I am, you've just got to be prepared for whatever it is that you're doing during that time frame, it's going to be put under a microscope. And it's also going to take on a life of its own with a rumor mill where things that never happened during the event, You'll hear years later that suddenly this occurred and you're sitting here thinking, no, nope, that never happened. And so you've just got to prepare yourself that stories get twisted as we try and keep things from every detail hitting the media as an incident commander or as a company. And we're also trying to shield some of that information from some of the different locations themselves, maybe. So not everything that goes on during an event may be shared with every sister location either. It's just a lot of data and a lot going on. So you've got to prepare yourself for the rumor mill, as well as you also have to prepare yourself for the possibility of being listed in a civil suit. And I know that that's something that Brian can kind of speak to that has happened in his state before.
2: Yeah, it happened to me. We had a pretty severe injury one time and it was drug into the soul suit. But I agree with you. You got to, the, the rumor mill, you just can't, you can take anything of that nature anything during that event personal. It is what it is. And so take the advice of Joe and, and slow down and do what's right do what's fair, and you might not know what that is, but you got to take the information that you get and try to process that information the best you can, and then follow the structure of, of what you've been taught. You just got to make sure that you're following those steps. If you can do those three things, if you can have the thick skin like Jen says, and don't worry about the rumor mill, and don't worry about what's going on with the cell phones, and then you take it, What Joe says and slow down and and think the process through, you're going to be fine. And that is my biggest thing. That is what I try to tell everybody all the time. And the last thing I tell them is you're not in it alone use those people around you, rely on those people around you, use those maintenance guides, use those ammonia refrigeration operators, use the expertise that you have around you to get yourself through that day.
0: Absolutely. And I, that kind of reminds me, Brian, of just the concept of as an ICRNIM. IM, if you're getting tired or if it's getting overwhelming or you just feel that emotion rising, know when to step away and release command to someone else and turn it over to another trained person. Just knowing yourself well enough to know like, hey, I've got to step away for a minute, I think is important too.
2: Absolutely.
1: All right, so this is episode nine again. Thank you, Brian and Jen, for uh, being part of our day. We appreciate it. We're going to close out this episode. Again, thank you for everybody for listening and have a great day. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Safe, Efficient, Profitable, a worker safety podcast. If you like what you heard here, Please take a moment to write us a quick review, like, subscribe, and share our podcast so that others can find us. For questions or to request topics that you'd like to hear on our next show, please visit us at wwwallen safetycom Thank you.
2: Safety first, stay safe.